Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We work hard as physicians to take care of the health and well-being of our patients. But when it comes to our money, do we have the same condition of care? Probably Probably not. Let's change that together. Welcome to the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast, where we'll fight and advocate for your financial literacy. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. Thanks for being here. Let's jump into the show. Before we begin today's episode, let's hear from this week's sponsor. You know, almost nobody gets personal finance training in medical school or dental school. When you get out of training, you're saddled with hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt right out of the gate. So it's no wonder that physician burnout is such a problem. And that problem isn't limited to just the physician. That kind of financial stress affects your family life because it constrains your finances and it prevents you from reaching your financial goals. As a result, your marriage may be strained and stressed as well. Well, that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the Marriage and Money MD Summit coming up on November 15th through 17th. It's a free summit for healthcare professionals who want to build a stronger marriage and create a better path to building wealth. You'll hear from 21 amazing speakers over three days, and you'll come away with the tools and resources you need to have the happy family life and the path to financial independence that you deserve. You can sign up today by clicking the link in the podcast description. Even if you don't get a chance to attend the talks live, sign up for free anyway, and you can catch the replays for the rest of the week. Again, click the link in the podcast description to sign up for free. I can't wait to see you there. So welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. And today we have a very special guest, Dr. Brooke Shuley, and uh, she's calling to a to us from Arizona. And as you know, we have several types of freedom that we promote on the podcast. The first is financial freedom. Second is time freedom, location freedom, and emotional freedom. And so today's guest is very entrepreneurial. You'll hear all about her different endeavors. Um, She's quite active in various different areas. And so we'll get started with her story. So I'm going to pull up her bio. So um, Dr. Brooke Cholet is a concierge psychiatrist, physician coach, real estate investor, entrepreneur, and speaker. She is also the founder of Cholet Wellness in Scottsdale, Arizona. She was raised in San Diego and graduated from La Jolla Country Day School. She then completed a bachelor's degree in liberal arts and her medical degree combined at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, rigorous six-year BA MD program. She then obtained her medical degree at the age of 24 years old, which is two years earlier, and pursued training in psychiatry at University of Arizona in Phoenix. She then continued her training in child and adolescent psychiatry through Creighton University's fellowship program in Phoenix. 
She is currently in her last year of the program and had the honor of being nominated as Vice Chief Fellow. She's following in the footsteps of her mother and grandfather, where she will be a third generation adult child and adolescent psychiatrist. Aside from her productive career as a psychiatrist, Dr. Shule has a passion for helping other physicians identify their career goals and grow their practices. She's built her business during her residency training and began to expand and hire other practitioners while still in fellowship. She sees adults and adolescents currently in her private practice, Shule Wellness, and focuses on using a combination of medication management and therapy using a modern approach to mental health care. The concierge services include house visits and after hours phone text availability. Shule Wellness is currently located in Scottsdale, Arizona and will be expanding into Paradise Valley in the fall of 2021. Apart from all of these accomplishments, she's also obtained her Arizona real estate license and now is an active real estate investor. So without much ado, um, we welcome Dr. Brooke Shuley. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, you have, uh, I've, going through your bio and through your, um, all of your achievement and accomplishments, you've, you've done so much and you've done so many different things in different areas. So, um, you know, your bio is one part, but tell us your actual motivations, your stories, how you got started, um, why you're interested in so many different areas. Sure. Yeah. So I do have a lot of different interests, but I uh, grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. I moved to San Diego when I went into high school. Um, my mom had done the UMKC six-year Bachelor MD program, so I followed in her footsteps and went there. Um, it led me to matching out in Arizona for residency, where I met my husband at the hospital and decided to stay here. Uh, so I've been here for a while, and I just have a lot of different interests, which led me down a few different paths. But my main career path is still psychiatry, um, but I do really enjoy real estate. So I, I was really wanting to get my real estate license and pursued that during COVID, actually. That's uh, fantastic. So tell us, uh, so you're your primary practice is psychiatry, but you're doing all of these different um, entrepreneurial um, endeavors and skill sets. So, uh, you know, a lot of our viewers are interested in um, entrepreneurship. A lot of people are interested in um, developing side hustles and side gigs. So what is the, what is the number one um, skill that someone can develop if they're interested in becoming a physician entrepreneur? I think the number one skill would be time management. I think that I spend a lot of time throughout the day on so many different things. Um, I think really getting a good time management and an efficiency to workflow is essential. Um, and right now I'm in a full-time fellowship program in child psychiatry. So I think just being able to manage a lot of different things will allow someone to be able to pursue many different activities. That's uh, that's that's a really that's so great advice. And so, for um, physician entrepreneurs, uh, what are some of the barriers, especially you know from from a physician standpoint? You know, we're so used to a um, stable and steady income. You know, we're really uh, um, motivated by job security 
and we're not really um, akin to taking risks. So what are some of the barriers for physicians to actually becoming entrepreneurs? I think one of the biggest barriers is just a lack of knowledge, right? In medical school, we're not taught how to start a business or how to hire people, how to create LLCs. So I think the number one barrier is just that lack of knowledge. We're really knowledgeable in medicine, but not entrepreneurial businesses. So I think a lot of self-teaching goes into it and a lot of mentorship and just talking to as many different people as possible. Yeah, those are, uh, those are some really um, uh, good tidbits and pearls of wisdom. So let's transition into talking about your different um, endeavors. So one is, um, you, so you've, been, you've done a lot of things in terms of um, real estate. So a lot of physicians are interested in real estate just because of um, you know, the tax advantages. It's a stable way to grow one's wealth, to put one's money, it's cash flowing. So um, tell us what, uh, what the difference between being a, a real estate, um, uh, having a real estate license and being an agent versus being a real estate investor. Sure. So I think when my husband and I first started out in real estate investing, obviously you have to run the numbers, make sure that things are going to work out. So we ended up figuring that we were doing most of the work in terms of finding the homes. We just needed someone to let us into the homes and to write up the offer. And we were seeing how much in commission they're making for us selecting the homes. And I'm like, this isn't okay. Like I want to do this. So that's what kind of led me to getting my license, which for the listeners out there, it may seem really scary, but I did the full online course in a 30 day period of time. And then I took the state test two weeks later. So there, the whole thing took me about six weeks. Um, I think all in all, the buy-in to all of the fees and the classes was maybe about 1500 but my first commission check was 5,000. So very quickly, you'll make up the money um, it takes to become a real estate agent. But I think just the ability to have the commission come back to you rather than going to someone else when you're the one selecting the homes and doing a lot of the work was, you know, the biggest selling point to me. Mm. So that's really, I know a lot. I've um, a couple of one of my um, close uh, friends and colleagues, she actually she she's up in the Seattle area and she actually, um, you know, she was a real estate investor and um, she actually transitioned to becoming a real estate agent. So um, yeah. in, in terms of um, in terms of just in terms of um, uh, earned income versus passive income. Tell us the difference between, you know, being a um, real estate agent versus um, real estate investor. What, what are some of the differences? Sure. So if you're a real estate agent, then you definitely are more out on the field, buying and selling homes for people. You're making your money based on the commissions from purchases and sales of your clients. Real estate investors are purchasing homes, selling homes. Um, but more so purchasing and holding for passive income. But I think the best is to be both a real estate agent and an investor because you're not only making that active income from the commissions of buying homes, but then you're also passively making that income from um, holding and managing those properties. So also another 
wisdom <laughs> pearl that I figured out is that you are able to act as a property manager for your own properties. So if you register as a residential real estate agent, a lot of the brokers out there will not allow you to be a property manager except for properties that you own yourself. So if you buy and hold homes as a real estate agent, you can actually be your own property manager, which is another cost savings. Those are some great um, uh, advice and tips. Uh, what are some of the uh, potential tax implications of being a real estate agent versus being a real estate investor? And tell us some of the pros and cons. Sure. So I will preface this by saying I'm not a tax accountant. This is just uh, my knowledge I've picked up from doing this. But from my understanding, if you're a real estate agent and you have over a certain amount of hours annually that you do real estate act related activities, you can file for a real estate professional tax status, which can be helpful. Um, but some of the downsides, which I guess anyone would have to do, but on the commissions you earn for homes you're buying for yourself, mm -hmm. um, the commission you take is taxable. So you do have to pay tax um, on the commission. But the way I look at that is that you wouldn't be getting that commission if you weren't a real estate agent. So it is worth it to pay the taxes for that. But let's say you're buying property for a friend and you're crediting them some of the commission, you can actually write off the, the credited amount of the commission you're giving as an expense of your business. So then you're really only paying tax on the difference. So yeah, that's really, yeah, from what I understand, being a, I'm, I'm a real estate investor. So, you know, a lot of the, um, the income is taxed at passive income, portfolio income, um, which can be, which is much less than uh, earned active income. So um, for the listeners out there, earned active income is income you make from, you know, a job, business, um, uh, selling real estate and that sort of thing. So, uh, but it's good to be able to combine the, the two different um, types, you know, you're generating income from different ways and you're getting taxed in different ways, but then, you know, you, it gives you a lot more freedom and flexibility. So that's really fascinating. So, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of real estate agents that I know they get their license, uh, you know, it, it sounds like, you know, you did yours very quickly and very um, cost efficiently, but, but a lot of them have to, you know, go through these courses and then they have to get um, licensed and certified. Um, but then they have to sign up with, um, for example, like a broker or a, um, a bigger um, firm to, and, and start, um, to start selling homes. So, in, in your experience, uh, is this, um, is it easier to do it the way you did it? Or, or is it, it sounds like there's um, significantly less time and startup costs, but you know, yes, you still have to go out and um, sign up with a firm or start your own firm, but uh, starting your own firm is also, you know, much like starting your own business as well. So tell us um, the, how one, once they got their license, how they would do it. Yeah, so in real estate, in order to quote, activate your license, you have to hang your license with a brokerage. And for me, I didn't really understand that at the time, but what I can explain to others, it's like, can you practice medicine without having a DEA number? Probably not. So um, the way I did it is that I joined um, the brokerage called HomeSmart, which there's a few different 
types of brokerages. One is like your classic Keller Williams, Sotheby's, where they really put a lot of marketing into their sales and, and you know, there's a lot of marketing involved. So they take a percentage of your commission, uh-huh. but in brokerages like HomeSmart um, or my home group, uh, I pay $25 a month to be a member of the brokerage and or to be an agent for the brokerage. And then you pay a small flat fee per transaction. So if you don't need all of the marketing, which, you know, someone like me, I don't because this is a kind of a side job that I do and I kind of buy and sell for myself and friends, then it makes much more financial sense to join a brokerage where you're only paying $25 a month to have an activated license. And then you only pay $300 per transaction. So it's much, um, it's much, uh, so it's, uh, it sounds like the way it is, it's um, sort of disrupting the traditional ways of uh, becoming a broker and sort of using these platforms so that you can um, basically uh, decrease your costs and, right. and, um, and talk about some of the overhead. You, you can run your own home office or do you need to, you know, or you can all of your expenses um, setting up that, that uh, office space. Yeah, for real estate, there's almost close to no overhead. So you can just kind of work from home, um, which then you can write off the square footage of your home office as a tax savings. Um, You could write off your cell phone bill since that's the primary way that you communicate and earn your business. So I would actually maybe say that there's negative overhead (laughs) for being a real estate agent because my only cost is um, home smart brokerage monthly, which is $25 a month. Uh-huh. And then you have to pay for your MLS access to like look up properties, which is an annual fee. And then you have to be um, a member of a s- association. So here for me, it's Phoenix Association of Realtors or uh-huh. PAR. So, you know, there's really minimal overhead. I would say the the startup cost is what's the significant amount. And that was only about 1500 that's that's great for the uh, listeners so um so you know the sounds the barriers to actually um actually doing something is actually much less with all of the new technology and all of the access and platforms so um what's uh i'm going to transition from you know different real estate now into your actual uh clinical practice so you it sounds like you've done a number of innovations um in your the psychiatry area so one thing i wanted to discuss first is the um concierge your concierge wellness practice so a lot of uh listeners are not um very familiar with the concierge model um so tell us more about what it is and where the advantage is why people are uh transitioning to that type of model sure yeah so you know concierge medicine i think in broad strokes is really just a higher level of access to care and cutting out the insurance middleman. So there's a lot of different models to concierge practices. I think a lot of internal medicine practices, um, they have more of a retainer model where you pay one fee for the whole year and it gets you a certain number of appointments and services. Um, I kind of took a different approach with the psychiatry world because 
you know, it seems unfair to tie someone into a psychiatrist for a year because it's such a personal experience and you really have to feel comfortable with that person. So I chose a fee for service model for my practice where it's just an hourly fee. Um, and so pretty much like however much or little they want to use us, it's really up to them, but we take on less patients and spend more time with them they have our cell phone number, they have our emails and can really like, there's no barrier to accessibility. Um, and uh, so now that we know the differences between concierges, um, how has uh, COVID-19 um, uh, accelerated or not impacted the idea of telepsychiatry in your, in your practice in general or in, or in concierge psychiatry? Sure. Yeah, I think that mental health needs have really increased during the pandemic. There's not only people in the community, but other physicians, really high functioning um, executives that are really in need of mental health care because it's it's a lot of change and a lot of um, anxiety out there. I'm just seeing more and more anxiety, both in adults and kids, because now kids are going back to school. Um, and I just had a conversation with someone this week. It's like a whole new type of peer pressure. Like, why are you wearing a mask? You know, tell me about that and making fun of kids wearing masks. So I think that the whole mental health field has just experienced such, such a surge in the last year. Yeah. And are you seeing a lot of um, changing towards uh, telepsychiatry or are you still seeing patients in person? Um, tell us more. Yeah, I see a combination of both. I do think that a lot of people uh, like the ability to do telepsychiatry, um, but I do both in-office visits, telepsychiatry, and then I'll also go to some people's homes who maybe can't leave if they just had a baby or, you know, severe anxiety. So I'll go to their homes and see them. That's, that's wonderful. And uh, tell us about um, building your um, psychiatry practice um, you, you built a, um, a uh, practice uh, where you're hiring other practitioners during fellowship. Uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, so I started this practice, I started planning for opening the practice at the end of residency, uh, because to all the listeners out there, it is a lot of work. There's a lot of things that need to be in place prior to opening a practice. So I would definitely encourage you to start early, even if you are in training and you think it's too early, it's never too early. Uh, so then the practice was kind of set up and ready to be opened um, when I finished up residency. And then when I transitioned into fellowship, I started getting a lot of calls and I didn't have the time and availability to see all these people. Um, and I really wanted to deliver care to the community. So I started hiring other psychiatrists and therapists to be able to see those patients um, since I just, I, I guess I didn't expect it to grow that quickly. So I started needing a lot of help. Um, which I guess is a good problem to have, but uh, it really made me kind of quickly learn how to hire other people and how to run a practice. That's wonderful. You've, you've done so much and you've given so much, much pearls of wisdom. What are your final uh, parting words for our audience? Yeah, I would say that my biggest, biggest piece of advice would be it's never too late it, even if you're in the middle of your career, towards the end of your career, it is never too late to start something. If you're passionate about it, it is so rewarding to go to a place where you have built and you have 
kind of put in the work to grow it. So I would just say like, just go for it. There is no time that's too late. That's, and lastly, how do, um, how can listeners contact you or follow you um, in case they want to learn more about you and your practice and your work? Sure. Yeah. You can visit my website at www.brookshuletmd.com, B-R-O-O-K-C-H-O-U-L-E-T-M-D.com or my practice website, which is shulewellness.com. Perfect. And uh, for the listeners, all of the um, resources um, and references will be included in the show notes. So uh, Dr. Shule, uh, thanks so much for um, your invaluable wisdom and your time. And thanks for coming onto the show. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. Medical marriages are often strained by intense and constant demands on your time, not to mention the crushing debt that you're saddled with out of medical and dental school. Well, that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the Marriage and Money MD Summit coming up on November 15th through 17th. It's a free summit for healthcare professionals who want to build a stronger marriage and create a better path to building wealth. So sign up for free and come away with the tools and resources you need to have the happy family life and the path to financial independence that you deserve. You can sign up today by clicking the link in the podcast description. Even if you don't get a chance to attend the talks live, sign up for free anyway, and you can catch the replays for the rest of the week. I can't wait to see you there. I'm excited that you made it for another episode. You are truly the best. If you've been following the show for a while, you know that my passion is to bring you the education you need to find your path to financial freedom. Please come back week after week for new content, new resources, and great guests. Until then, if you haven't already, please be sure to check out the website, www.drchrislewmdphd.com for more support. I'll see you next week.